This podcast is proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry. Hi, I'm Gordon Muller. I'm the guru in the Doc and Guru podcast. Thanks for being with us. For those of you who don't know me, I've spent over 40 years in the media industry in South Africa and uh, pretty much made it my home, my life, my passion. I have other passions, unfortunately, for my sins. I'm an Arsenal supporter and a Shark supporter, so we're going to do pretty much everything on the show as it pertains to media, marketing and money, but we don't take jokes about Arsenal or the Sharks. I'm Doug Mateus, uh, the doc on the show. Uh, and again, for those of you who don't know me, I've uh, spent 30 years in, in uh, various companies in South Africa uh, running uh, different marketing functions. And the last job I had, I was privileged in, uh, enough to work with a team that took uh, the brand to the fastest growing brand in South Africa in 2018 with a 47% year-on-year growth. So that was a, a great achievement uh, for the team and, and, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, from a personal point of view, I do a little bit of cycling uh, and also snow skiing. So we quite enjoy that. But again, uh, today's discussion is around all things marketing and media. Yep, that's right, Doc. All things marketing and media. No subject too big, no topic too small, no subject too hot to handle. Please get in touch with us on our Facebook page, follow us, like us, whatever it takes. We would love you to be involved with the show and uh, we really want to make it as inclusive and as energetic as I know this industry is capable of. Another week, another podcast. How's it going? It's going well, Doc. Really uh, looking forward to today's podcast because there's some fantastic new insights uh, and from two initiatives that our guest is involved in. But uh, um, I did so much enjoy talking to to Flock. Um, the listeners didn't have the benefit of the you know seeing the video feed, but I could see the pride and and uh, glowing from the man. He's, he's he's done incredibly well and is obviously very happy with what he's achieved. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's a, it's a great thing, you know, for South African to, to go out in a foreign cu- uh, culture, in a foreign team, in the age of professionalism, and to, and to win the Six Nations. So, so well done. And, and, and as a lot of people have said, you know, good luck into the future, but not too much good luck yes. uh, as we play them at the end of the year. So, absolutely, you know, yeah. it's one of, one, of, one of those. But I mean, talking of great South Africans, uh, Gordon, today's guest, we're back to True Blue Marketers, uh, the top of the pops. We're talking Sydney Mbele, Sydney, a group executive for brand for Sunlum. Sydney, thanks very much for your time. We really appreciate uh, you coming to chat with us today. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. And I mean, Sydney, straight into it. I mean, Sunlum, household name, 104-year-old uh, company, 34, 33 countries around the globe. Uh, I mean, that's fantastic. I mean, you're right at the pinnacle of, of that brand, leading it. And we'll get into one or two of the specifics. But just for our listeners out there, if you don't mind just sharing, you know, uh, one or two highlights of your career to date and, and perhaps some of those lessons that people can take out of it. You know, we always like to leave our listeners with something that they can gain from people who are, are right near the top of, of, of their game. Yeah, look, um, maybe let me start by saying um, uh, 33 or 34 countries is actually on the African continent for Sunlam. Uh, globally, we are 40 in 45 countries. Um, so that's the scale at which we, we're operating, uh, which is incredible for a South African-born organization. 
Um, but but, it, but if we just bring it closer to me, uh, I'm, uh, I would describe myself as, as a, a builder of brands and markets. Uh, and, the, you know, the markets bit is so important uh, because, you know, often uh, people separate this thing called business and marketing or business and brands as if it's two different things. Actually, it's not. You know, brands are an enabler, you know, for the business. Uh, so, so I often like to describe myself as a builder of brands and markets. Born in Soweto, um, you know, a little bit of studies. I've, I've, uh, you know, I did a postgrad in marketing, you know, an MBA from Gibbs, um, an executive strategic marketing program, leadership program from Stanford University uh, in the U.S. Um, and the last one was a management uh, program, management advancement pro AMP. Advanced Management Program uh, from MIT, uh, out of all places. Uh, and I've enjoyed yeah. that a lot because, you know, we're living in the world uh, which is precipitated by this accelerated pace of change driven by, you know, digital transformation. Um, and, and all of us are impacted by that. And it's important that as marketing people, we understand what that means uh, for what we do, uh, because we, as I said earlier, are not separated from what, you know, businesses expect us uh, to do in influencing the trajectory of growth um, uh, for, you know, for, for our organizations. I started my career, you know, in sales, in a sales environment. Um, actually, my first company was at Simba, Simba Chips, <laughs> you would remember mm -hmm. that. Um, I've, you know, at some point, I, was, I did marketing at Unilever. In South Africa, I was a marketing director. Um, I did a little bit of a good job there. They sent me overseas to do a global role at Unilever, uh, based in London. Uh, I was a global marketing director uh, for deodorants uh, for that category, uh, looking after you know brands like X, uh, which is links in the UK, but X, uh, most parts of the world, uh, globally, and I looked after Rexona, which is shield in South Africa. Uh, I looked after Dove. Uh, I looked after Impulse. Um, I had an amazing time traveling the world and getting to, you know, deploy strategies that were so vast. Uh, whether you you are talking about, you know, launching bottom of the pyramid uh, uh, propositions in the Philippines, or whether you are trading up consumers um, in Germany in a very mature market, or, or whether you are driving, you know, some penetration you know, in the U.S. or, you know, or, or South America. Uh, there was an incredible time. Um, um, the lure of, you know, working for South African companies came knocking. Uh, and Norman Adami, who was the MD of uh, SAB, brought me back to South Africa to head up global brands for South African breweries. So I looked after brands like Grosh, Pilsner, Ukel, um, Miller, Peroni, um, uh, and then, uh, and then I moved into financial services, um, and I've worked for three organizations there. I started off at NetBank, spent six years, an incredible six years at NetBank, um, then moved on to Liberty um, for two years, um, and then went on to the biggest non-banking financial services institution uh, on the continent, uh, which is which is Sunlam now. So that's really been my journey. Um, you asked me to talk about what I've learned in that journey. Uh, sure. I mean, how many hours do we have? You know, if, if, <laughs> this is a management summary. Uh, this is a management summary. Day, management uh, summary. 
I can tell you. This is a this is a, a five part. Sydney, I didn't realize Gordon be doing a five part series this time, which is all cool. I didn't realize that. This is fantastic! <laughs> Our first five part sponsored series. I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> falling off my chair with excitement. We're gonna we're gonna live with we're gonna we're gonna absolutely live with confidence in the five part series. <laughs> but I can tell you one. Uh, jokes. I can tell you one insight. Um, out yeah. Of, out of many that kind of stands out. To me, uh, across my careers, I was leaving Liberty, going into into Sunlam, and I had just uh, resigned. And the CEO there, Mr. David Munro, who's just now moved back to Standard Bank, but was the CEO of Liberty over the last sort of three and a half or four years, I think. Um, uh, he was trying to convince me to stay. Uh, he asked Yako uh, Marie, who's of course yeah. the, the board chairman of of, of Liberty. And and used to be a CEO of Standard Bank. He asked him to talk to me, to try and, and mm. convince me to stay, and and mm. uh, it got to a point where it was very clear that I was I, I was leaving for for Sunlab. And he said something to mm. me with that uh, left an indelible mark. He said to me, you know, Sydney, what you gotta remember is that um, success is not always replicated uh, from one environment to the next. Uh, the mm. fact that you were successful previously or successful at Liberty does not mean that you're going to be successful at Sunlam. Often the mm. circumstances around you um, contribute to, to that success. Um, and that's what you've got to remember. If you make a decision to leave, you know, um, just make sure that you've got, you know, um, all the uh, sort of call it airbags, you know, uh, to to protect you or to support you and to make sure that you, you, you're successful. I think it's important because it's quite easy uh, to look at our own journeys and success as if it's just only our own. It's actually, you know, these it's contribution of many people around us, our teams, our leadership, and many other people, agencies, media agencies, yeah. you know, people across the value chain. Um, who actually play such a critical role in enabling our success. So if there's anything that, uh, that I can tell you, um, if I were to just give you a, an elevator pitch or speech, um, is that a very uh, indelible um, uh, insight from Mr. Yako Marie. Which, which, which I think resonates a lot with the kind of themes we've evolved in the last two years in the podcast, you know, about continuously sort of relearning and learning new tricks and just bringing yourself into the, the, the space that the industry has moved into. So uh, it, it doesn't always imply changing things, but it might just be the nuance that shifts slightly. But just you talked about mature markets. So one observation and then one question. Um, on the maturity front, it just occurs to me that if Sunlum's been around for 104 years and I took out my first Sunlum policy with my very first job, I've, I've been a Sunlum customer for about 60% of your existence, which is quite sobering. But coming back to that mix of markets, so many marketers that, that I work with are either stuck in the, the Western Europe or the North American model or the emerging market model. You've crossed you know, yeah. the floor many times by the side of it, which is which I think is incredibly interesting. And one of the mantras which evolved in the eighties was the sort of the think global, act local. Mm. Uh, mm. What, is that still relevant, or is it just now think local and act local? I mean, can we still learn and apply from uh, in that uh, reiterative process or the you know replication mm. process? Mm. Uh, can we mm. apply global learning 
to a pan-African kind of model? I mean, I think the key word that you mentioned is nuance. Uh, Nuance is so important. Quite recently, I did a talk at uh, the IMC, Integrated Marketing Conference, that's sponsored by NetBank. Uh, It was last year, I think July, Mm. July, August. And, um, And my topic there was about building true romance uh, in Africa. And one of the points that I make is that actually, you know, global organizations have, have a lot to learn from us, right, or from local businesses, um, because that nuance is so much more important. Uh, but to answer your question directly, it works both ways, mm. right? Mm. There's, there's a lot that we can do to leverage economies of scale if you are a business that's uh, operating in multi-territories. But there's also quite uh, a lot that businesses that are global can learn uh, by um, kind of fire starting in smaller environments, in smaller nodes, and building thereon, you know, um, uh, to create things that can be aggregated uh, to something that's really, 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 you know, impactful at a global scale. So I think it works both ways. Doc, you're an aggregator of notes. This is your point. To <laughs> no, but I think, yeah, thanks, Gordon. I, uh, Sydney, firstly, thanks very much. And I think the lessons just, you know, we, we can't obviously go through each point you made, but I certainly, there's a huge education theme that goes through it both locally and internationally. And although a lot of our listeners perhaps won't get the opportunity to go to MIT or Stanford, that doesn't mean you mustn't study and apply yourself and learn. And Sydney, we're going to chat a little bit later about, about your role at Masa. Uh, and the second thing is taking those opportunities. Um, as you say, you know, uh, Jack and Marie were saying that past success is not necessarily a predictor. And I think sometimes we get fooled to think that, you know, we mm. think that uh, because we were good yesterday, we, we're going to be better tomorrow. So I think it's, it's, as you say, Gordon, constantly looking at that introspection and learning. So thanks very much for that, Sydney. I really appreciate your your summary and, and, and also the lessons both ways, globally exported as well as imported onto the continent of Africa. Uh, Sydney, going to your role today, one of the big changes of the last while at Sunlam was a, a big repositioning or certainly a big payoff a promise. Uh, and uh, it, it's all about living with confidence. So how's that been received by both the market as well as internally? Well, well, I mean, I, I think I need to start by saying, you know, one of the things that I, I've, I've really tried to build as an imprint, um, it, it, when you look, when you think about positioning, right, is, is that position, positioning is about who we are, is about mm-hmm. what we do, and it's about what we say. I mean, those three things are so important when you think about positioning. Because, you see, Doc, you can't promise what you can't deliver as an organization. I mean, there's the old uh, examples used, I think, if you think about simpler, better, faster, standard bank. If you're going to promise that, you've got to be able to deliver that. Otherwise, it's not sustainable. You know, then otherwise, then, you know, people hold up a mirror against you and you're constantly faced with a barrage of, dissatisfaction from customers. So when you're going to position a brand, it's important to think about who are we really intrinsically? You know, what are our strengths as a business? What is it, you know, and then what do we do and and how do we do it? What's the way of doing things here? And then you've got to package those two things 
you got to try and make sure that those things, you know, are evident in what you say about the brand. And often we just focus on the say part, which is the tagline, which is the marketing messages, and forget about the are and the do. So our positioning that we've done has really landed extremely well because we were just so rigorous in trying to ensure that we match who we are. I mean, we, are, we have a history of empowerment and inclusivity over many years. I don't know if you know that Sanlam was started, you know, way back 104 years ago, as you, you said, um, as an organization that was meant to help poor Africaners, you know, um, in, in, in the Western Cape. And, in, and it's evolved to today. I mean, of course, the journey is very long, you know, demutualization in 98, you know, to where we are now. But actually, at the heart of Sanlam is this notion of empowerment, is a notion of inclusivity, has always been part of kind of the organization. So, you know, wherever we end up with what we promise, it's got to have an element of empowerment, of helping people to achieve their dreams and aspirations. What do we do? You know, it's built on the strength of what we can deliver. You know, one of the things we measure in our industries, uh, particularly in financial services, um, is this thing called NPS, Net Promoter Score, right? Mm -hmm. Which is about the satisfaction of, you know, of, of clients in terms of... In, in, and, and, and when you look at our NPS score relative to our competitors, we generally fare ahead, which means our ability to deliver that, you know, is you know, ahead of, um, ahead, ahead of competition or ahead of, you know, what you would, um, uh, you, you would classify as, as expectation, uh, generally, it doesn't mean we don't make mistakes, but it means yeah. that generally we do that and we do that well. And that's, you know, and that's what we're famous for. And, and therefore yeah. bringing these things together, the, 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 the notion of, you know, how do we, help people to provide financial security for themselves and their families and how do you make that inclusive in a way to give them confidence to tackle all the challenges and opportunities for the future kind of makes sense then when you say people must live with confidence so it's landed mm -hmm. so well because people can understand it at a very basic level mm -hmm. you know it's and it's not any other kind of confidence it's financial confidence that we want to give yeah. people. So, you know, the research we've done, I mean, we've done brand health measures. I mean, we are just ticking the boxes on all the major aspects, whether it's brand attributes going directionally right, you know, whether it's, you know, spontaneous awareness around our brand and what it means and how it kind of galvanizing and mobilizing people towards our, our business, you know, whether it's brand consideration scores or whether you're looking at the relative edge, you know, when people actually compare us versus competitors, you know, we call that relative edge, you know, how we fare mm -hmm. against competitors. Over the last year, we've seen those numbers significantly shift. Our brand value over the last year has moved uh, from number 19 in South Africa to number 15. So four places in one year. You know, we won mm -hmm. the third best campaign in South Africa in 2021 with this live with confidence thing. After Nando's, and chicken licking, you know, and we are ahead of our peers, of course, in financial services and our peers who spend significantly ahead of us. Yet we became third, you know, in terms of being seen as a brand that's actually deployed, you know, the most kind of impactful campaign. So if you look at all of those things, um, 
you know, I mean, they just give you a sense that we are onto something. And when we started this process, Doc, it was built from the inside out. You know, we started with our staff. We've got 30,000 people who work for us across the continent. And it was important that we institutionalize what it means to live with confidence. Because it's the very same people who will have to take this brand and ensure that the client experience is at the level where what we are, what we do, and what we say are congruent. You're listening to The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media. Yeah, that's crucial. I mean, this an old advertising adage, nothing uh, destroys a, a brand faster than great, or a weak brand faster than great advertising. So, I mean, yeah, you will expose yourself ultimately if you, if you continue on uh, a three-point path and you're only scoring one out of three. Just coming back to the issue of transformation um, and, and empowerment, you know, my my kind of lens on the world is through the is through media. So I'm always trying to figure out how do I take the learning from what you're saying and apply that in the media sense. Do you take transformation uh, and play that into your media exposure patterns as well? I mean, I can advertise on Station X, which has got a big audience, but it's also got a big bunch of very wealthy stakeholders, or I can advertise on Station B, which might not have the same audience size but but represents uh, creation of opportunity or empowerment are, are you inclined to to look at smaller players uh, media players with a view to to what it means for their empowerment when you disperse your your advertising budgets i think it's important to to recognize that we are operating in a world with uh, quite finite budgets you know the the boards or the you know, of organizations are asking so much of us with the little resources that we have. And what it means is that we have to be razor sharp on how we deploy those funds. And it all starts with the customer. It all starts with what we are trying to achieve as an organization. So right from our strategy, organizational strategy, how do you translate that to marketing strategy or brand strategy? And how do you translate that to messaging? And where do you want those messages to be transmitted? And if it means it's the smallest guy in the corner, it will be the smallest guy in the corner. If it means it's the big guy, it means it's the big guy. But ultimately, in an environment like ours on this continent in particular, where you have such a broad continuum of a client base, you know, um, it is important that you can justify your level of existence in media to a point that you are able to reach those audiences in the most effective way possible. Right, right. But okay, now that that's a very interesting insight, Doc. I mean, now you were discussing as well the Ikigai model, which you are better equipped to explain than me. It's got Venn diagrams, <laughs> so I, I had to go and have a lie down at that stage. <laughs> Terrified of Venn um, diagrams. Yeah, no. Just uh, I mean, Sydney, you and I had the benefit of a, of a different discussion a while back in terms of taking some of the external stuff into your teams, into your staff, and, and you used Ikigai as a model to say, listen, are you doing the right stuff? Do people need it? Do you, you know, you know th that model. And for those mm. people perhaps not familiar with the model, I'd urge you to maybe go and, and look at it. 
Sydney, just a just a, a one or two liner on that. Why did you choose to use it, and how did that go with your with your internal team? Well, I mean, I think the, the, the important thing is this. I mean, I guess it goes back to who we are, what we do, and what we say. We can't sell what we are not. And if mm. we want to talk about giving people a sense of confidence or helping people to build their own confidence, it means it's got to start with us. And when you're going to build your own confidence, you will remember when you went to job interviews, what you, it felt like when you were confident versus when you were not confident. Or when you were start learning to, to ride a bike, you know, when you were confident or yeah. were not confident. Mm. So to build our own confidence means we've got to understand really, you know, the things that uh, give us that, uh, the ability to dial up aspects in our lives that, you know, enable us to operate at the most optimal right, the most powerful of ourselves. So the Ikigai model is actually quite simple, right? Is you know, it says that you can do something that you get paid for, right? Um, yeah. and, and you can do something that you're good at. But that's just a profession. It doesn't mean that you're operating at your best. If you do something mm -hmm. that you're good at, that you love to do, that's a passion. That's not a profession, right? That's a passion. Right, but passion is important, yeah. you know, in the things that we do, you know, whether at work or at home or whatever aspect. To have passion in what you do gives you, you know, the innate ability to be able to achieve, you know, ahead of everybody else. Or you could do something that you love to do, that the world needs. Well, that's just a mission. If you do something that the world needs, that you are paid for, that's just a vocation. The power. And these are the Japanese, this Japanese concept. The power of operating at your optimal is when all of those four things, profession, passion, mission, vocation, are all kind of blended together right in the heart of that. In the sweet spot of all of those four things gives you this thing called Ikigai. And those people who are operating at Ikigai level, you know, they permeate just power. They ooze confidence they are successful, they are servant, you know, they are achievers. And, you know, if just a fraction of us would strive to get to operating at Ikigai level, I think the world would be a better place. Yeah, thanks, Sydney. And, and, and absolutely, I mean, for those, as I say, for people perhaps not that familiar, go look up the model, read up about it. Uh, it certainly is a powerful, and it's again one of those models where you need to really think about it and be honest with yourself in terms of where are you and how can you move to your optimal self. Sydney, changing tact now, let's move away from Sunlam. Uh, let's talk Marketing Achievement Awards. You and I are both on the, on the committee. Uh, we're both judges. I mean, that's a fantastic series of awards coming up again. We're in award season. What are your highlight expectations of the year? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, when you ask about the expectations of the awards, I mean, I think this is an existential question, right, of the awards. You know, I, I mean, I make the point that marketing is not some function that is devoid from driving the business. And the theme this year, marketing means business. That's the theme. Marketing means business. Yeah. It is so important that, that it is so important that the awards should be at the intersection uh, between the customer, brand, business, and purpose. And all of those things, you know, um, enable us, uh, 
you know, we are and should be building brands that are compelling in their value proposition, uh, that are sustainable in the long term, that are creating and extracting value for the business. And finally, and that's why I talk about brands that are being purposeful, that are making a difference in society. And I think that's my expectation and that's the kind of highlight and that's why I sort of enjoy being part of this because, you know, those are all the kind of the ingredients um, that we are looking at that hopefully, you know, can shift uh, the, the, the standards in, in the discipline uh, and, and build the credibility that we seek out of boards, you know, seats mm -hmm. that we get, you know, when we contribute at that level. Uh, from a marketing perspective. Yeah. And building credibility is important. I mean, uh, you know, just doc, you know, working through the the media uh, the marketing awards last year, one of the things were which emerged was a reluctance of young people to sort of motivate their own uh, recognition within the industry. So, I mean, my appeal to young marketers out there is get involved, guys. I mean, you know, the Ikigai model includes the passion. You know, you might not have you know, 40 years of uh, of professional skills that you can allude to, but passion and all the other elements are, are recognizable and rewardable. And I mean, it's it's the Wayne Gretzky effect, isn't it? You you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So to all the young marketers out there who are building a, a career in this, this really important space, and I love the theme, marketing means business, guys, pitch it in there. It's, mm. you know, what what's the worst that can happen? Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and ironically, Gordon, you won't know this because Sydney and I are on this committee and Sydney, you ironically made the suggestion at the last meeting about getting more younger people on as a, as a committee, as a subcommittee, as a junior board to look at things maybe slightly differently, you know, and, and one doesn't want to use the word with different energy because I, I guess the connotation is that perhaps, you know, some of the people have not got energy. I don't think that's at all the case. It's about looking at things differently. And Gordon, as you say, you know, you've got to buy the ticket, you've got to take the shot and you've got to be proud of yourself. You know, um, I think I made the point a while ago. Um, I was, I was visiting some, uh, football, American football facility in the United States and they had a big slogan up there. And it's right across there, massive, massive. And it said, don't, don't be afraid to be special. You know, so I think, Sydney, oh, thanks for that point uh, about, uh, you know, about business uh, and, and marketing certainly means business. Gordon, onto you, I mean, I'm cognizant of the time, just looking at it. Sydney, towards another area of your involvement, you're the chairperson of, of MASA, the Marketing Association of South Africa. Uh, do you just want to maybe take us through that? Why should people get involved? Is it worth it? Uh, oh. CPD points, professional designation, you know, all of that, that whole yeah. education and making marketing a more professional body. So if you don't mind giving us just a few minutes of, of your involvement okay. with MASA. Yeah. Look, MASA plays an incredible role in helping build and, and protect the credibility of, of our discipline and marketing. Um, it represents the business interests of um, marketeers and and it promotes professional and ethical marketing practices. And I think that's important. A lot of the work that we do, actually, it's behind the scenes. And, and you know, we don't seem to get credit for. But if you think about the adoption of common standards, if you think about issues of self-regulation, you know, um, uh, we now have the, for example, the Advertising Regulatory Board, which used to be ASA. Uh, we play a significant role in trying to help make sure that self-regulation remains. You know, um, we work on independent and credible marketing industry research. 
you know, I grew up in marketing. There was, you know, in FMCG, there was Nielsen's, you know, and there was one view of the world and there was uh, amps. There was all of those things, right? Um, and, and those things disappeared. Amps disappeared, right? Now we've got, through the Marketing Research Foundation, uh, something called MAPS. Again, we've been part and parcel of ensuring that in the industry, we, we have this industry research and clients are able to make informed decisions about the deployment of the of of their resources, you know, uh, understand clients better, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but we also seek to provide leadership, support, and and mentorship um, across the industry. And one of the main things which you touched on is these designations that we have, which seek to professionalize the industry. Again, part of the credibility, you know, that Gordon was talking about, you know, is what does it mean to become a professional in marketing? You know, chartered accountants are chartered accountants, right? Because they've gone, yes, they might have done a degree, but they have this board exam that they write and that gives them a particular status, you know, um, and accreditation. And it, it gives people who are prospective employees some sort of assurance that, you know, you are punching in a particular weight as, a, as, a, as an accountant. And that's why you are called a chartered accountant. Likewise, we have something called a chartered marketer. We call it, we've got something slightly junior called a marketing practitioner. And then another one called associate marketer designations all in South Africa. You know, so it, it's really a quest to, 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 to really mirror the example that I've just given, you know, on the CA or chartered accounting side. And it's really to get, make sure that the credibility of this discipline you know, grows, you know, I mean, I've seen a lot of organizations who just decided at whatever point, you know, when they want to move someone to something, um, okay, move them to marketing <laughs> without the experience, without the skills, actually at a very senior level. And those people, of course, do, do not have the wherewithal to lead teams and be able to deploy. And in the long run, we suffer as a discipline. Because you've got the wrong people, you know, leading brands or leading teams in marketing. So, you know, we we are very active in leading and influencing transformation, policy, uh, regulation, education, training, learning and development, you know, and best practices uh, in marketing. So, so, so really, that's 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 what we're about. And you know, we we try to do as best as we can to partner with organizations that have the muscle to do some of the things that we can't do like the Marketing Achievement mm. Awards, mm. right? Um, it's an association with, uh, with Masa. Masa endorses that because Masa on its own may not have the resources or, or the strength to be able to have an organization to pull that through. So therefore, if you've got someone like MAS, you know, Marketing Achievement Awards, you, you know, and, and they demonstrate that the methodology is credible and, you know, it's rigorous, et cetera, et cetera, then we partner with those organizations. And there's many others that we try and connect with, like the IMC Conference, um, yeah. you know, to try and accentuate and make sure that, you know, people are able to go to these conferences and for them to maintain their status, you know, CPD points are not just a marketing, you know, a massa thing, an industry thing across industries, they use CPD points. So to maintain your designation, we encourage you to stay abreast of the trends and what's happening in the industry. And therefore, you know, you've got all of these platforms uh, to be able to do that. So, so really that's what we seek to do. And we encourage people to support us. We encourage people, you know, to uh, those who have funding, if you're a, a client or a, a corporate, you know, to support us and donate and, 
you know, and um, there's a lot of value that we give to organizations. As I say, a lot of it is not always glamorous, you know, on the front face of, of what, you know, people expect, but it's a lot of, you know, kind of hard yards that we cover, like regulation, as, a, as for example, that we do behind the scenes to try and build this industry and keep it at the level where it should. Yeah, I'd certainly like to pick up, but I think we're pretty much out of time today on, on the issue of partnering with associations. So my passion over the last 40-something years has been the Advertising Media Association. And to be quite frank, I don't know that there's been a lot of cooperation between AMASA and MASA on embedding media skills within your various three levels of chartered marketer, SA, marketing practitioner, etc. And I think, there's, with respect, I think there's a very small representation of media skills in, in that offering. But that's our fault on the media side. We are not representing ourselves to you. So my appeal out there to, to the Advertising Media Association is chat to MASA. We need to be working together. The, oh. the key to uh, you know, marketing for, for, for business outcomes, or marketing means business, is to make sure that media means marketing and media means business as well. So my appeal would be, and maybe we covered in another uh, another podcast sometime, is to see those two organizations bringing media and marketing uh, skills a little closer than they have perhaps been over the last four or five years. But, Doc, I'm going to leave it to you for the wrap because we are pretty much out of time now, I think. Thanks, Gordon. Yeah, that's uh, – and, I mean, again, you and I have spoken about that. Um, and Sydney will know from the benefit of council, we're also looking and constantly are at curriculum design uh, and what has been taught yeah. at various colleges, universities, etc., to make sure that that is relevant for the market of today and tomorrow. So certainly media, if you look at just the amount of money that is spent out of a, out of a marketing budget, it's such a big part and, and so important. So that's one of, the, one of the very important considerations. Thanks, Gordon. Uh, Sydney, again, from my side, thanks very much. I know you're busy. Thanks for your time. Absolute insights. Uh, it's wonderful. And, and to share your story and your continued success, of which, of course, we wish you a lot more. So thanks very much. Thank you so much. I'd like to say to young people out there, advertising is not marketing. It's just a vertical slither. Sponsorship is not marketing. It is a go-to-market tactic. Social media is not marketing. It is merely a channel. Understand the full value chain. You're going to be a very competent and successful marketer and business leader. Thank me later. I can't beat that. So to our listeners out there, from me, ciao for now. Cheers, guys. Cheers. And so that was another episode of The Doc and the Guru. Please don't uh, forget to get hold of us on Facebook, like us, follow us, uh, subscribe to the podcast. And then from my side, you can get hold of me on LinkedIn, Dr. Doug Mateus. I'm uh, very active and very keen to hear about your views uh, and certainly will respond. And hopefully we can bring that into the show. Thanks, Doc. And it's uh, Gordon Muller, the guru, signing off. Thank you for being with us and listening into this podcast today. You can pick up the discussion with me on my Twitter handle, at Mzanzi Media. And I'd love to engage with you on any of the issues that we've taken on in the show. And take us at our word. This is really going to be an open forum. There are no subjects that are taboo. And we'd love to have some of the younger, more under-listened, if that's the correct phrase, uh, voices to join us uh, in this discussion. Thanks for your time. The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry.